You're listening to Three Valleys Radio. The heart is a bloom Shoots up through the stony ground There's no room Welcome to our In Conversation programme featuring sporting heroes from the world of sport in general and past and present Yeovertown players and supporters. And the reason that you had to care The traffic is stuck it's your chance to find out what makes these sported heroes tick. And also, we get a feel for their musical preferences. To take you out of this place Someone you can lend a hand In return for grace It's a beautiful day So sit back and enjoy as Three Valleys Radio brings you the best in local sport. This week, we're delighted to have with us Mr. Steve Mildenhall. Well, good morning, Steve. Uh, really nice to catch up with you again after all this time. How are you? Um, yeah, I'm not bad, to be fair. It's um, getting a bit older, but not feeling too bad. Well, what we're going to do this morning is basically a kind of um, uh, Desert Island Discs meets uh, This Is Your Life. So uh, we basically go through your career and uh, talk about it as we go along. And uh, at, no the end, at the end of the day, you give me some music and we'll, we'll slot that into the interview. So, Steve... Um, you know, go back to the very first time you sort of kicked a ball, if you like. Can you remember that far back? You know, where, where did you play? Uh, God, that's a long time ago. Um, no, when I started playing, I, I started. Uh, I started a little bit late, I suppose. Really, as a kid, I didn't play too much football. Really young, and then one day at school, a mate of mine in the in the playground just said, uh, "Do you want to come over to my team uh, and, and join in?" So I did that. I uh, I did probably what most keepers do. I started off playing everywhere so I started up front yeah, uh, and then I slowly made my way back to midfield uh, and then I made my way back to centre half and then one year I think it was about 11, 12 the keeper left because he was too old and uh, lo and behold the next biggest person was me so I got trapped gloves and said why don't you have a going goal and um, it led from there really yeah yeah well um, you know, did you have any sort of uh, at that point did you have any special keeping experience or any, any oh, uh, training no, or whatever no, no, no nothing at all literally I didn't know I literally didn't know anything about the position I wanted to play out on pitch I wanted to be an outfielder I think which most people do because uh, um, that's that's what everyone sees the, the glory side of football but it's just one of those things it ends up being a call and it, 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 you, I was chucked the gloves and I, I took to it like a duck to water yeah yeah, yeah. or, or, or a, a player to mud as it were yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a duck to water so um so what was your first sort of official team then? So I used to, in Swindon, where, I, where I've moved back to now, there was a, a local team called uh, Pinehurst. Um, 
it was uh, a team known for um, silky skills, but also a team of lads that um, back in the day didn't like didn't mind putting their foot in, even at about ten and eleven. <laughs> what included you down in the goal, weren't it? Yeah, including me down in the goal. No, no, I was yeah. a gentle giant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you've always been a gentle giant, haven't you? So, yeah. So I literally I stayed with them literally all the way through. Um, I played with them. I carried on playing all the way through until uh, I left school, obviously, and, and um, got given a got given a YTS uh, as it was called back then by Swindon. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed my football. Then um, grew up with a few very good players. A couple of players that even now I scratch my mind and think that um, strange that they never went on and had a career because they were they were a couple of very talented players in in our, in our local you know Saturday Sunday morning league team. Yeah, yeah. And 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 so so how did you end up sort of actually signing for Swindon then? I presume you went to the youth um, team, did you? God, trying to remember it all back. I mean, when I was younger playing, obviously like a lot of kids will do, uh, you end up playing for your school side, then from your school side, I ended up playing for the county. And then while playing some county games, uh, there was a, a Swindon uh, sort of regional scouts were there. And the next minute you, you get invited along to um, to a trial. I mean, at the same time, I was uh, I was also training with um, Aston Villa uh, over at Mount um, Body, uh, not Body, more east that's their training and I was training over in Loughborough mm. um, Mount Mowbray Way uh, a long time ago my father like a lot of parents had to do he used to have to drive me up on a Wednesday after school which was a, a huge commitment from them but yeah just playing county football and then um, got offered along for a trial did the trial um, and then got offered to sign schoolboy forms which was just a way of back in the day of being able to make sure that a club kept hold of you so mm. um, I made that decision to stay with my hometown club and thankfully I ended up getting a YT as well so and the, the rest is you know uh, 22 year history <laughs> <laughs> absolutely but uh, I'm, I'm going by Wikipedia which is my bible but Wikipedia isn't always that accurate but it says here that you, you signed up for, for Swindon in 1995 does that sound right? Uh, yes it will be yeah yeah. yeah I'm trying to do the math now yeah yeah it was 95 95 yeah. was when I joined as a trainee as a 16 year old wet behind the ears yeah young lad yeah. <laughs> I suppose you were still about 6 foot 4 then were you, you yeah were... I was still yeah 6 foot 9 then you shrunk a bit have you right I, yeah. I shrunk a bit as I got now it's time for the first of Steve's tunes this is Terence Trent's Derby and holding on to you
that was Terence Trent Derby and Holding On To You. So, um, 1996, you went to uh, Gloucester City on loan and, and 97, the Salisbury on loan. I should imagine that was all good uh, experience for you to build up your confidence as a goalkeeper. Yeah, it was. I mean, at that point, you sort you know, it, it happens nowadays and it doesn't. I mean, as a young kid, uh, you play sort of under 18 football and you, know, you want to get out and play men's football. It's a totally different game to when you're playing sort of mm. youth team football. And the same with the way the 23s has gone nowadays. You know, it's, it's, it's great nowadays that clubs have 23s because it gives players um, a bit more of a pathway. Whereas, you know, before you were in my day, you were kind of when you were given a pro at 18, you were chucked straight in with the first team squad and it was sink or swim sort of thing. And players take a little bit longer to develop. So um, for me, it was great because I got out on loan and went and played some men's football at a, a, a you know, reasonably early age to gain that experience and to get, as they say, get toughened up, get smashed around a bit by, by mm. men who are playing football. And I really enjoyed my um, my times at Gloucester and, and Salisbury. Mm. But in 2001, you ended up at Notts County. Well, that must have been a, a big thrill, I think, you know, the oldest club in the, in the whole country. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I do. I, do, I never have regrets at any club I play for, and I'm, I appreciate every club I play for, and, and uh, I will always have an affinity with them. I mean, you know, I left Swindon, I would say quite abruptly, but, um, you know, I'd just broken into the first team, played a few games, signed a contract at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, and then got sold an hour later uh, <laughs> as a 22 year old. So yeah. um, that was quite bizarre, but uh, at the time, um, you know, Swindon at the time the, the, the owners that, that were there then they they wanted money and they got offered some money for me and for myself it was you know the team I was in we just stayed off relegation and the team that had come in for me had just missed out on promotion so um, sat down and tried to weigh things up I mean do I have regrets I try not to have too many regrets in football because it, it is what it is but you know I do look back sometimes and think uh, I, I would have been nice to have played longer and a few more games for my hometown club but as I stand in now talking to you thankfully it's transpired that I've ended up being able to come back in a different capacity yeah quite well, that's right so uh, 76 games for Notts County according to me and then um, 6 for Oldham yeah, we, what happened to Oldham Wikipedia's never, Wikipedia's never the greatest one mate you should no, always go on soccer base oh. now, it was, I think it was just under 100 altogether uh, uh-huh. for Notts County in the, in the I was thinking my I was there now I think it was three three and a half years I was there because I yeah. moved in a January window yeah. Um, yeah I enjoyed it there I mean a, a wonderful football club uh, a wonderful city with two you know two big football teams um, obviously you know poor Notts County and, and not in a greater position than they are at this moment in time uh, after being relegated last year which is a travesty for a club that size I do know what that's like obviously uh, experiencing that with Bristol Rovers many uh, years ago but Notts County at the time it was it, it was a <sighs> It was a weird situation because I went in. We went in and we made quite a few sort of marquee signings for back then. In that day, there was sort of Darren Caskey, who was a, a well-renowned central midfielder who come from Spurs and then Reading. And then, unfortunately, about six months into it, um, the manager got sacked, and then the old ITV Digital went bust. Oh yes, yeah, I remember if that. Yeah. Those that are old enough to remember the ITV Digital. Yeah. Um, and obviously, they promised football clubs a lot of money, and when they went bust, uh, it had a massive ripple effect. And I think still to date, we may be the longest football club that was in uh, administration. I think it was 18 months we were in admin. Really? Um, yeah. So that was, that was a, you know, just 
any player that plays when they're at a club that's in any sort of sort of financial is- issues will always be professional and will always talk about listen that we've got to get on uh, and do the job at hand but anybody in any walk of life in any profession if you know that your your business you're working for is in financial trouble and at that time we were having payments withheld from us on sort of the bonuses and appearances and bits and bobs like that and obviously you know they were having to cut cut back on, on certain aspects to, uh, of the football club it does have an effect no matter what player says to you it doesn't and that they'll be professional get on it it does at some point yeah. and I mean you know there's only a, the, the biggest example of that is unfortunately what's happened with Berry. you know so mm. um, we went through a lot of that in that 18 months at Notts County and um, I think it did have a, a detrimental effect because uh, the season from where they just missed out on the playoffs the next couple of years were kind of a you know, uninspiring couple of years Years and, I, and it did lead, I think, in the third year to us getting relegated out of League One. So these things do have effects, and they do—they can have a lasting effect at a football club. Yeah, but at least you had Hooters ac- across the road, so you could always pop in there yeah. and join the sorrows, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yes, yeah, obviously it's, it's changed venues now. It's still quite close to where the old one used to be, but um, yeah, I suppose that was one silver lining, you could say. Yeah, of course uh, it was. Uh, they, they had that there, but um, um, not long after I moved. Moved up to Nottingham, and I ended up meet, meeting my uh, future wife. So it's uh, oh, I well. didn't have many times to uh, to, to frequent yeah. these places. No, of course <laughs> not. Of course not. More music now, and this is Bruce Springsteen and Glory Days.
Bruce Springsteen and Glory Days. Okay, so anyway, you ended up at uh, Oldham for a while and didn't seem to make that many uh, appearances at Oldham. And then no, brief. <laughs> I, I um, I as I said again, we got relegated at Notts County. I ended up going away that summer. Um, the manager at the time, should I say, we probably didn't see eye to eye. I left that summer squad number one. I got asked to take um, a pay cut, uh, of which um, I did say I would do, but I wanted uh, them to extend the length of my contract, which they then didn't want to do. So then I refused the pay cut, so I ended up coming back as squad number 42. So I didn't play for six months until I ended up getting a a move um, to Oldham. Went to Oldham, uh, got in the team, and then broke my hand and was out for seven weeks. So I never played it again after that. That's why when I went there for that period of time, I think it was only about seven games I played. I broke it against uh, Luton. I think it was Luton I broke my hand against. So then you ended up at Grimsby, uh, where you did have a bit of a run, 46 games according to Wikipedia. (laughs) But um, I presume that's where you first touched up base with Russell Slade. Yeah, that was. That's where, that was the first time I'd come across. Obviously, I knew of him. It's the first time I'd ever come across him or worked with him. So yeah, we went up there with Russ. Had a a great year there, really. We got to the playoffs uh, final, unfortunately, losing that. Um, we beat Derby and Spurs in the League Cup getting knocked out by Newcastle um, and that was my first taste of working under Russ and um, I'd only uh, signed a year up there because um, you know leaving Notts County was going further north and being a southern boy we get a little bit we get nosebleed further yeah. north we go yeah um, so I had a year there and then literally uh, literally uh, the playoff final at Millennium we lost unfortunately and that evening I spoke to Russ and he'd he kind of knew that he was going to be moving on then because he didn't get promoted and uh, he asked me if I would go with him and uh, I said you know I, I can't see why not and within the next few days we sorted that out and obviously that brought me down to to come crossing paths with you oh, uh, yeah well that was the sort of start of your real life then wasn't it eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh dear me yeah no, we had some good times at Yeovil that's for sure but uh, you know you certainly proved to be a, a, a really good keeper at Yeovil as I could recall and um, you know made an awful lot of good saves down there during your time there you must have enjoyed it didn't you yeah it was again it was um, working with Russ I knew what Russ was all about went in and he brought he really revamped a lot of the squad that summer when I joined there was quite a few people come in John Paul Cullen Dimbakalala came with me from Grimsby signed Terrell Forbes uh, Wayne Gray um, Lee Morris Marcus Stewart came in he added some really good characters and, and that's what it was the squad was a good bunch of lads everybody really got on with each other there were no clicks there were no groups you know away from each other no. um, and and I think that showed on the football pitch and then you know again it, it was a successful season I, obviously we got beat in the, in, the, in the playoff final by the team that eventually ended up getting to the Premier League so that wasn't too much of a, an embarrassment you know I think everyone will remember that year for getting to the, the, the semis and what happened at, um, at home when we lost to, to Nottingham Forest and then going up there and you could probably look back after all these years now and say it was probably one game too far that game at the city ground was our was our final yeah. Every, everybody put so much into that game into that effort to win that game and you know I think that's 
to this day is probably one of the most epic playoff uh, semi-final games. I mean, yeah, I still see it from time to time on Sky, and mm. you know, being a little bit older now, the younger lads that are in uh, that are here at Swindon, they'll come in some days and they'll go. It was, uh, I, I was sat watching Nottingham Forest v Oval playoff semi-final. Yeah. So um, it gets replayed quite a lot, but yeah, I mean, it was probably one game a little bit too far for us. I can always remember that game though. That was fantastic. The, yeah. the whole night of it, you know, I had hassle with the stewards because they didn't want me to sit where I was sitting with my camera. And of course, then then we at the end, if you remember, everybody went absolutely berserk. And yeah, uh, in the dressing room, it was just absolute chaos, wasn't it? It was brilliant. Pandemonium, yeah. I, know. I mean, I still remember to this day, and, and uh, Russ. I mean, uh, it was probably one of the easiest team talks for that night uh, Russell ever had mm. um, I can remember we pulled up to the city ground uh, and those that have been there or were there that night will probably remember they were uh, they were already advertising or selling scarves right. for yeah, t-shirts yeah. They, were sell- they were selling t-shirts they were selling pins uh, when we were doing the warm up on the big screen that they had there they were advertising uh, spaces for the bus to Wembley yeah. and I think we, I can always remember that warming up thinking hang on a minute hang on here so we walked in I think it was probably one of the easiest team talks Russ has ever had. He just said, yeah. I, I hope you lot have noticed something. And we all went, yeah, they start thinking they're going to Wembley already. And yeah. I think that showed in the game, you know, in the way we played. And I don't think many teams would have would have, uh, would have gone to uh, the city ground and uh, beat them 5-2 on the, uh, on, the, on the night. And, you know, it was just an epic game to win 5-4, to go through extra time as we did and to, to win in the manner that we did and the way we played. Um, it was one of the most surreal nights ever. And can you remember that... When, when the game was finished, we all piled onto the bus as you do to go home. And the first call was Tesco's. Do you remember we piled into Tesco's? No, it wasn't, wasn't Tesco's, mate. Your memory's going. It was the Asda. Remember, I lived there. Oh, was it? Oh, right. Asda then, was it? Was the Asda. Yeah. I mean, it's from the city ground, yeah. Yeah. We went and stopped in on the way, didn't we? Got yeah. ourselves a bit of food and, uh, yeah. should I say, a couple of light refreshments. Yeah, a bit, uh, a bit of light That was a long old trip back down to, uh, to yeah. Somerset. But we, um, yeah, should I say, that bus was, uh, there was a few sing songs on that bus on the way back oh. that night. Anthony um, Barry, I remember, uh, was in voice, fine voice. Yeah, from what Buzzer, I can remember, yeah, Buzzer, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, no, he's doing was... great now. He's doing great now as a coach as well. Yeah, yeah he is at Wigan. Yeah, absolutely. Another one now from Steve's epic uh, songbook, and this time we've got uh, the whole of the moon by the Water Boy. Stop! 
there you go, the Water Boys and the Hole of the Moon. Of course, that took us to the final, and um, I can remember the build-up to the final was tremendous around the club, and you know, every everybody was so excited by it. And you know, at the end of the day, it turned out to be a, a, a real damp squib, didn't it? Yeah, it was an anti-climax, really, with it all. I mean, you know, going back to that day, um, a couple of our best players probably were, were injured. You know, Chris Cohen, yeah. who uh, you know went on went on to be a, a hell of a player for Nottingham Forest. He played in that final. He was carrying a really bad injury from from that semi-final game, and and if it wasn't if it, if it wasn't for the fact of it being Wembley, he probably wouldn't have wouldn't have played. But he was, you know, he wanted to be in that final. He wanted to get on. You know, I think um, a few of the boys were carrying knocks, and sometimes they just do. They become they just become a game too far. The amount yeah. of energy physically and mentally that was put into that that second leg game against Forest. Um, you know, we got there. We, we probably didn't get off to the greatest start. We probably didn't play all play as well as a, as a team. And you know, but when you think back to then, that Blackpool team, they, they were a decent Blackpool side because obviously after beating us in the playoff finals that the following season, they got promoted to the Premier league so yeah, yeah. Um, they were a good side but yeah I mean I can remember after you know we went back on the coach and I remember sitting next to Lee Morris and we're going back and it was just so miserable yeah. we had a long trip back to, yeah, to, was... to Somerset and you know the the, the, the the anti-climax of it all and I just remember we got back we were travelling back on the bus and I turned to Mars and I said I, I feel absolutely gutted I said, and I just said to him what are you doing later he said nothing so himself and his uh, missus at the time and, and mine they come around mine and we drank ourselves into the, the really early hours of the next morning just to try and yeah. drink our sorrows away sort of thing because it was it was just you know yeah, just, just about an, an, opportunity, an opportunity missed for a club like Yeovil that, that was, at that point it was the, the highest they'd been yeah um, but obviously it was wonderful to see the club a few years later and manage to achieve that and, and get promoted to the championship absolutely I, I remember Skivo Skivo was injured as well he didn't play and, yeah Skivo and, didn't play no I think Skivo was on the bench as well and Marcus uh, Stewart I fancy had a, a, had a, a, a golden opportunity and somehow managed to scuff it and it didn't go in and I think from that point on we were sort of we were on the ropes then weren't we that's tough <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh, funny Marcus because obviously I was at Bristol for a few years as Marcus assistant. he always blames me that we didn't win the playoff final <laughs> All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, fair uh, enough. Tongue in, tongue in cheek, you know what it's like. Yeah. At that moment in time, everyone's disappointed. Years later, when your careers are over and you look back, and you still have that disappointment, but you can you can look on it a little bit differently. And we yeah. always talk about that day. He always ribs me for conceding two, and I always tell him he couldn't hit a barn door with a banjo that day. <laughs> but at the end of the day, football's given you a you know a, a, a pretty reasonable living, I would imagine, over the years, hasn't it? Yeah, listen, uh, uh, you know, it's something I wanted to do as a, as a kid if you had told me when I was 14, 15 that I would have become a pro and I would have stayed in the game till I was 39 and and, and then carry on after I would have snapped your hand off and yeah. you know it's it, it, listen it, it is work but it isn't work you yeah. know everyone that plays professional football but you know supporters love it it's their passion and it is the players passion sometimes people forget that it is a livelihood and, and you do still you know you're doing it because you're trying to trying to have a career and you're trying to support family and things like that but you know I can honestly say now looking back you know and still being in the game it's, it, 
I don't wake up. You never used to wake up every morning going, oh God, I've got to go to work. Put it mm, like that. It was mm. always something that you look forward to and I still do to this day. So I, I, I count myself lucky that I, I look at it and I, and I really think, you know, I can't really say I've worked for the last uh, 20 odd years because it's, it's something I love doing and, and I always will. And the day I don't enjoy it will be the day that I'll walk away from it. Yeah. So what, what happened at Yeovil then to, uh, to, you know, prize you away? Um, it, the, the honest and truthful answer, mm. as most players at the time will never say, money I yeah. got offered more money to leave Yeovil that season that second season obviously we lost Chris Cohen and we lost Aaron Davis to Forest. Yeah, uh, a few other players left and we had a bit of a struggle that season didn't we we, mm. we, we sort of I think it was Swansea away we managed to get a, a win that got us the points that, that kept us away from relegation so um, it was that second season I, I could just I just thought that we'd, we'd reached our pinnacle yeah. that second season knowing that not much had changed Changed. I don't really think there was a huge, in, you know, an extra investment put in. We'd sold our best two players, which you expect that to happen for a football club the size of a Yeovil, you know. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was just kind of like thinking, uh, maybe it's gone as far as you can in that project. And then um, again, and uh, you know, I ended up going to Southend, who that season before had just been beaten in the playoff final. Yeah. Um, so to me, it was kind of I was looking at thinking, right, um, these are hopefully gonna gonna have an opportunity. Again, we'll go into that in more detail because I ended up going to Southend and that their club ended up having financial trouble again. Um, it's obviously you it was, causing all these financial problems, isn't it? Well, people do say that to me every time I seem to go somewhere, but no, it's not like that, I can assure you. But no, it was... And, and also, it sounds silly, but, you know, up until sort of my sort of... 30s or, or early 30s most most of the clubs I'd been at I'd, I'd spent two years at and not that I got itchy feet but after a little while it was kind of like right I need a, I need something different I need something new I need new faces I need new places I need to, to, to go somewhere again and start uh, start fresh or prove myself again and it wasn't until sort of later on in my career that um, you know places I, I was I, I mean I was up Millwall for three years but I didn't play too many games for them but then when I went to Bristol Rovers obviously that was the longest I'd spent somewhere four and a half years um but it was it was mainly that you know if I'm going to be hand on art be truthfully honest with you it was one that it just missed missed out on the playoffs and two like anything in life most club football players they the contract they'd offered me was more um, more attractive yeah well that's fair enough the long and short of it I could give you the old spiel of this and that and whatever but no, they was... were the two main reasons they yeah. wanted they were hoping to go for a promotion and and obviously within toad in that they make a more attractive offer right another one of Steve's selections and this is Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. Somewhere, any place is better Starting from zero, got nothing to lose Maybe we'll make something Me, myself, I got nothing to prove You got a fast car I got a plan to get us out of here Been working at the convenience store Managed to save just a little bit of money Won't have to drive too far Just cross the border and into the city You and I can both get jobs Finally see what it means to be living 
problem Begin with the bottle, that's the way it is He says his body's too old for working His body's too young to look like his My mama went off and left him She wanted more from life than he could give I said somebody's got to take care of him I quit school, that's what I did You got a fast car Is it fast enough so we can fly away? You gotta make a decision Leave tonight or live and die this way So I remember when we were driving Driving in your car Speed so fast I felt like I was drunk City lights day out before us And your arm felt nice wrapped around my shoulder and had a feeling that I belong I, I Had a feeling I could be someone Be someone, be someone You got a fast car We go cruise and entertain ourselves Still ain't got a job Now work in the market as a checkout girl I know things will get better You'll find work and I'll get promoted We'll move out of the shelter Buy a bigger house and live in the suburbs So I remember when we were driving Driving in your car Speed so fast it felt like I was drunk City lights stay out before us And your arm felt nice wrapped around my shoulder And I, I had a feeling that I belonged Someone, be someone, be someone. You got a fast car. I got a job that pays all our bills. Instead of drinking, they die at the bar. Some more your friends and you do your kids. I'd always hope for better. Thought maybe together you and me find it. I got no plans, I ain't going nowhere. Take your fast car and keep on driving. So I remember when we were driving, driving in your car. Speed so fast, it felt like I was drunk. City lights stay out before us, and your arm felt nice wrapped around my shoulder. And I, I had a feeling that I belonged. Someone, be someone You got a fast car Is it fast enough so you can fly away? You gotta make a decision Leave tonight or live and die this way Tracy Chapman there and Fast Car. So, Southend, uh, 78 appearances, or give or take. Um, 100 and something, yeah. Yeah, uh, okay. Wikipedia always gives you just the... Uh, yeah, again, they always give you just the uh, league, league one. They never yeah. give all of them in. Yeah, no, soccer base right. is your best one. So then, then uh, Southend, I mean, any any high spots at Southend? 
Um, I suppose you could say the, the, the Chelsea FA Cup when we, we went to Stamford Bridge um, we ended up drawing with them and brought them back to, to Roots Hall but um, I think all we did that night when we drew with them was uh, was angered them and then when they come back to well they came back to ours we, we had the audacity to go 1-0 up and then uh, and then uh, I think they decided right enough's enough and I think that night Michael Ballack went one past me for about 30 yards and they went on to win the game I think it was 3-1 comfortably at that point but um, no again like I said when I went there there was there was aspirations of, uh, of us you know going for the playoffs and yeah. uh, one thing or another led to it transpiring that that didn't happen there was well documented issues again we, we went sort of three and a half months without getting paid at one point there which as an older player you can deal with it a little bit better when you've got young lads there you know it affects them a lot more mm. um, and again it was just a point of we, we luckily sold our top goal scorer Lee Barnard to Southampton um, and that was just after Christmas when we were in the top I think it was six or eight we sold in who was banging goals in and that season we ended up getting relegated so yeah, yeah. it just shows you the situation so again a wonderful time there I really enjoyed my time not exactly what I was hoping for when we joined or any of the players were hoping for when we joined and I signed a three year deal but ended up leaving after the second year and that's when I moved to, uh, not I stayed where I was like living wise but I moved to Millwall then yeah yeah and then Scunthorpe on a brief loan and then Bristol Rangers yeah yeah, I had a little loan at Scunthorpe, which I really enjoyed. I had a month there at the Christmas period, and uh, Brian Law was brilliant. Um, but at that point, I was, well, I want to say I was about 33, 34, maybe. Old. And I, I, yeah, well, you know, but you, you're, 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 the way you think changes. So, you know, once I got over 30, even though being a goalkeeper, uh, you, you kind of know that it's starting to wind down. So yeah. I always had eyes to, to, to being quite conscious to, to the end of my career and what, was, what I was going to do and things like that. I mean, as you well know, I ended up doing a, a journalism degree um, in my sort of early 30s to have something there. And um, we'd, uh, we'd gone on loan to Scunny and then Bristol Rovers came in, who obviously were in the division below. But at that point in time, I just had my, my daughter, uh, Mia, and um, it was just right for me. I'd never, I'd, I'd left home at 22, never really signed for a club that was anywhere near um, my hometown. And at that point, I just felt it was it was right in, in my career and with an eye to, you know family to be back home so it allowed us to move back to Swindon while playing for, for Bristol Rovers and then obviously you know going there I had four and a half as a player I think it was four and a half wonderful years I mean the first year we, we I joined on on uh, loan we stayed off relegation the second year unfortunately we did get relegated out of the league you know a huge disappointment but then after that we got back to back promotions and those two years were, were some of the most enjoyable football um, that I had and, and um, you know it's, um, as all the clubs were they're wonderful football clubs but um, that was you know it was a special couple of years winning back to back promotions with literally the same squad and, and, a, and a great bunch of players that you know you don't too often come along when you get those bunches that just gel and, and everybody's very close to this mm. day after everybody's moved on to different different clubs or ended up retiring like myself it must have been difficult you know after a, a long and successful career hanging up your boots what, what was the sort of um, deciding factor on that I, I, do you know what I'd like to say yes it was a hard decision but it wasn't I can always remember um, after playing with Marcus and Marcus was my roomie and he ended up retiring and going into coaching and I just I remember speaking to him one day and I said when do you know Marcus and he says you'll know believe me you'll know I knew it was time and that last year of my contract uh, I ended up starting having a bit of a knee problem uh, patella tendonitis I was out for about three months I'd had tons of these injections they call PRP where they take your blood out spin it take take the new you know special stuff out of it and inject it back 
in. Mm. It wasn't getting any better. Uh, I then saw a surgeon that told me that I should have an operation and cut parts of the tendon away and drop the kneecap. I was almost going in for that until another specialist I saw told me I'd never kick a ball properly again, which made me worry to an eye wanting to have a career after in coaching. So I came back from that, still carrying that problems, and I was sat on the bench just after Christmas. And it was wet, wet and windy nights. And I actually sat there and for the first time in my career, I didn't, I was lucky enough to play most of, most of my career everywhere I went. There was a couple of times I ended up sitting on the bench and I hated it and it grated at me and I hated it. And I found it an embarrassment not playing. And I found myself sat there at 30, 38 and that wasn't happening. And it was wet and windy. And I was kind of looking at going, yeah, not for me this tonight. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to be involved in this. And that happened over that sort of January, February time. March and I knew I just knew then I knew I, I didn't have that I wasn't going to be picked at the weekend and it was I was okay with it and that's when I knew uh, I've come to the end you yeah. know I got I got offered to, to play after um, I got offered to play for a couple of teams in the in the conference uh, that were at the time they were part time and it was kind of like you know come you can train once a week and, and it, you know I could have done it but I literally I was dead honest with these people and I just said to him I said Look, give me a little time to think about it knowing what my gut reaction was and I just called him back and I said no mm. I said thanks ever so much for the offer but I'll be doing it for all the wrong reasons Yeah, because yeah. it could be a couple of months down the line you know travelling to games my heart's not really in it and, and that's not that's not me being honest and that's not me, me being honest with them and that's you know and thankfully at that time Daryl Clark who was the manager they started up a 23s at Bristol Rovers and he said to me look um, you've been a great servant for this football club and you've done great for me we're starting up the 23s I want you to to take the, the, the 23s goalkeeping role you know thanks to him they, you know, people say that things happen in life things align and it, and it aligned perfectly for me that at 39 I could hang out my boots and go straight into a coaching role at a club that I'd enjoyed you know quite a few years with well since Steve has only picked four songs for us I've picked one for him which I hope he'll like and this is Mr Michael Bolton and Soul Provider
Michael Bolton there and sole provider. So now you're a coach, a goalkeeping coach. Yes, the best kind of coach. Yeah. So, you know, that must be quite satisfying and able to, uh, you know, pass on your expertise that you've built up over a period of time to um, yeah. to some youngsters. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, in that, in that period of my latter stages of my career, you start you start thinking differently and you start, you start looking at players and you start looking at goalkeepers and you start formulating your own opinions on what you think and like. And, and I started to have an eye to that the last couple of years and I started doing the badges and I started doing a little bit of coaching on the side I used to uh, Tim Harris was a Gloucester City manager and he contacted me one day and said you know, do you want to come down uh, and uh, do a bit on, a, on an evening with their goalies which was great for me because I was still playing but it allowed me to get that coaching side and, and um, it was a complete no-brainer when I got offered it to go into it and uh, I, that is now my passion my passion now is trying to help trying to improve trying to impart some sort of knowledge on what um, I've picked up over the years both technically and psychologically because goalkeeping is a massive cycle logical role as well um, and my kick now is seeing what we implement during the week in training sessions either making somebody improve or seeing that on a Saturday afternoon when they go out we have a positive result and the, the, the keepers played well and, and that's my now buzz and um, how long have you been up at Swindon now then because I, I, I thought you were still at Rovers so it shows you how well I've kept up with it yeah it is eh? <laughs> now I had one season with Bristol Rovers in the 23s and then I, I moved across back uh, to my hometown team Swindon and so I've been there uh, just coming up to a year and a half now in the first team yeah. so I left the 23s role and a, tw- a first team role came up at Swindon and it was an opportunity I, for me I couldn't turn down one I really enjoyed that year but like a lot of players will tell you you miss you miss that buzz that cutthroat Saturday afternoon and then as I alluded to earlier when we were speaking um, I left Swindon quite early I, I, I was hoping to come back it nearly happened one day um, but we didn't quite get it over the line and then when I interviewed for this and I got offered it by Phil Brown I was kind of like, I'll kick myself if I don't take this job. You know, it doesn't, does things like that don't come up too many, too often. And I thought, you know, um, if I don't take the opportunity to go back to my my hometown club and be involved in in a different capacity, then I'll forever for, regret it. And you know, thankfully at this moment in time, it's been brilliant. I'm really enjoying it. It's a, as I would say about my hometown club, it's a wonderful football club. And as I speak to you now, you know, things at this moment in time, we've got off to a decent start to this season. And of course, um, you know, no commuting as well. I suppose that makes a difference when you've got a family as well yeah absolutely you know being you know I was born and bred I was I was I used to stand in uh, not stand I used to sit in the Arkle stand uh, I was there um, season before we got promoted to the Premier League I was that, there that season in the Premier League and then I joined the season after so um, you know family all my family friends are here and, and yeah it's, it's nice obviously I came through as a youth team player so um, it's nice to sort of have that history with the football club even though that I left at 20 and, and was away for quite a, a, a long time it, it, when I walked back in the door it was as if uh, time had stood still and, and nothing had changed apart from my face had got a lot older <laughs> Fair enough So what about the, the degree in journalism now where does that stand in your uh, list of priorities then? Yeah um, n- nothing really at the moment um, I was doing it quite a bit when I was still playing I was um, you know writing little bits of articles for, for some of the match day programmes of the clubs I was at and um, mm. Sometimes I do a little bit for some papers um, locally to the area, but um, obviously once I once I decided that coaching was definitely for me, I, I did a degree about 31 was um, when I wasn't quite sure what avenue I wanted to go down, and I thought a journalism degree really interests um, 
people will tell you I can talk for, for Britain and, and I like that side of the game so I thought it would be a travesty to finish um, with the amount of spare time you have as a player and not have some sort of further education on it so yeah. I did my degree through the PFA who are an amazing organisation that, that helps out players and looks after them helps out with their funding for their education um, and then when I come to the end of that and I finish at that p- period I, I started to sort of formulate my own opinions on coaching and, and when I got to about 35 I was kind of like no I, I really think coaching is going to be the way forward for me so I dived into after finishing the degree I dived into all my coaching badges um, and uh, and so at the moment it's taken a bit of a back burner because you know this is a this is a, this is totally different than being a player being a player you're rocking at 10 o'clock you start at half past 10 finish your training you have your lunch and you're gone by about half past one if you haven't got a gym session coaching side of it is, is what players don't see the hours before training the hours after training the meticulous work that's put in to, to cover every avenue that could that you're facing against an opponent and uh, and then also getting out and watching lots of games so um, the hours have certainly increased but my enjoyment uh, has diminished one bit good well that's excellent to hear so you know well look um, Steve thanks ever so much for doing this mate I really do appreciate it it took a while to track you down and nail you to the floor but <laughs> but we've managed to do it in the end which is the main thing yeah. and uh, it's come out it's come no. out well so that was Steve Mildenhall and our thanks go out to him uh, a very interesting tale and good luck to him at uh, Swindon this season the heart is a bloom shoots up through the stony ground there's no room This is Three Valleys Radio, and you've been listening to In Conversation with A.D. Hopper. And the reason that you had to care, the traffic is stuck. And you're not moving anywhere, you thought you found a friend. Stay tuned for all the local news and sport on Three Valleys Radio. I have in return for grace. It's a beautiful day